This is Energy Voice Out Loud, leading the global energy conversation. I'm Alistair Thomas and welcome to our podcast. This week I'm joined by African LNG editor Ed Reed and our content editor Andrew Dykes. Andy, this is your second time on the podcast, is that correct? Yes, yeah, second time around. Good to be back. What a, what a week to do it as well. What a week to do <laughs> Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Dread it, you know, dread it, run from it. The windfall tax, you know, arrives all the same. And the, finally, finally, right? I'm kind of happy about it. I'm kind of happy. In, in the purely journalistic sense of we at least have a decision now. And we don't have to keep on just rolling through this will-they-won't-they thing. Um, but the industry's not all that chuffed. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, yes, yeah, so, so the Chancellor did his, um, his U-turn, his screeching U-turn, worthy of a Vin Diesel movie. Um, and uh, some folk, uh, you know, for, for those who aren't aware, uh, Andy, this has been rolling on for, for quite some time. Maybe you can set us up with the context. Yeah, quite a while. Uh, I combed through the Energy Voice archives, through the, the microfiche, uh, last night to find out when the first time that we we were talking about it. So the, the first time that it kind of crops up is uh, around about the Christmas holidays, end of December. Um, Dale Vince of Ecotricity goes on Radio 4. Um, and I'm, I'm sure the ideas have kind of been circulating for a while. We've had rising uh, gas prices all through last year, through the tail end of last year. Mm. Um, but up till that point, they've mostly affected the supply side, right? The, the energy retailers, consumers have been kind of largely uh, in insulated uh, by the price cap. Um, but we have a series, I think 27, 28 suppliers go bust between kind of August and December. Um, Mr. Vince goes on Radio 4 and says, you know, it's it's time that we should be levying this this one-off windfall tax on oil and gas profits. They're the ones making the energy. So, you know, their their profits are rising through the roof and, and we should be uh, be addressing it that way. Mm. And that's quickly followed in the new year by by the Labour Party. They They jump on that bandwagon. Um, I think at the time they, they reckon they can raise about two billion pounds through some kind of one-off levy uh, on, on oil and gas profits. Um, it has kind of marginal support, I think, among the country. There's kind of, obviously, we'll, we'll get into the two sides of the story, but um, <laughs> popular support, I think, when people see their bills rising by, you know, thousands of pounds projected, um, I think it, it did enjoy some support, and which is why it's kind of gained momentum over the, the last few months. Um, that's joined by the SNP, though, as well. They have a slightly different spin on it, which is they kind of play it safe on, on the northeast angle, but they want a, a windfall tax on all excess profits kind of throughout the course of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Not entirely sure how that would work, but they want to include <laughs> kind of your retailers like Amazon, who've obviously enjoyed a healthy time of it when everyone was confined to their quarters. Um, but they, they, they play it slightly differently, obviously, than, than the labor line, because they are conscious of, of kind of their just transition angle, which is obviously very important to their, their manifesto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what changes the game, though, obviously, is, is the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, um, where we just see kind of everything that's been happening over the past six months or so accelerated, you know, even greater price spike rises, uh, even greater profit rises later as we get into the, the Q1 results. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably the point at which the, the game is up, really. I think when you've got BP, you know, five, four point nine billion pounds of quarter one profit, um, you've got Shell, eight point six billion, and, and those are the those are the numbers that are making the headlines. Hashtag um, cash machine, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I bet he loves that, loves revisiting that headline. Oh yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, so I think that's the point at which people kind of start. You've got that, you've got the the push on, on one side from the policy side. 
and you've got these kind of financial results coming. And I think it becomes increasingly difficult from a political perspective not to kind of give ground to some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, I guess, first give the other side of the coin, you know, uh, the industry and uh, the trade body Offshore Energies UK has obviously pushed back um, throughout this. They've made um, quite persuasive arguments about the level of investment that oil and gas and energy firms more generally do want to make in the UK. Um, you know, they've said up to kind of 250 billion by 2030. Um, some of that is oil and gas, some of that is energy transition projects, CCS, hydrogen, uh, things like Scotwind. Um, that's that's their estimates of, of what kind of is on the table and basically saying that any kind of attempt to uh to raid that war chest is uh is going to be detrimental to those efforts it's uh yeah i mean it's it's been an interesting potted history perhaps we can get you to do an article about the potted history of the windfall tax i'm sure we'll have loads of people who'll be delighted to, to big win that. for big win for dale vince i think Big I think so, yeah. Vince. I mean, we, we really need to, to uh, get him on and see you know, whether he's happy with how this has all panned out. Probably should, actually. Um, so, yeah, yeah, let's so let's talk about it. Yeah, so the, what happened, uh, as we record yesterday, then, um, the, the Chancellor, obviously, and read all about it on Energy Voice, of course, but the Chancellor effectively increased the headline rate of uh, tax by 25% on oil and gas companies, up from 40% to 65%. But within that, there is a there's a sweetener as well in terms of the investment incentive. Uh, and as Andy kind of said, there immediate reaction, general kind of negative response to the industry. Uh, this will undermine and be detrimental to investment in the energy transition. Um, and and I think most people tend to agree. You know, there is clearly a need to do something um, to support the millions of households in fuel poverty at the moment. You know, you can't you can't ignore that issue. Um, but it just seems to be a question of how you go about doing it. So Sir Ian Wood, when we got the responses through yesterday, the flurry of responses through, uh, you know, pointing to the fact that the industry will this year pay something in the order of $7.8 billion to the Treasury. Uh, that's obviously a, a ready resource to be used to potentially help deal with this issue. The, the extra 25%, Rishi Sunak said that's going to raise something like £5 billion in the next 12 months. So we'll see uh, how that plays out and whether or not that is indeed uh, enough um, to, to make, make the kind of change that's needed. So you know, the, the industry itself hates uh, these kind of ad hoc changes to the, the tax system. Um, you know, OE UK in particular pointed to the fact that this is weeks after the publication of the British energy strategy, which promised, you know, long-term, secure, affordable energy. Um, long-term um, being an, an interesting um, choice of phrase from the government. Um, you know, that they, they said, that, well, we thought that was years or decades, not necessarily weeks. Um, so, you know, I, I understand that, that particular point. Um, but yeah, the, the, the crux of the main arguments from the industry are, this will impact security of supply, this will impact our ability to invest in the energy transition. And there's there's been some for and against those arguments in, as the kind of dust has settled and, and we're getting a, a clearer view. BP uh, said it will review its investments. Sounds dramatic. I think that's just, you know, due diligence. Um, and as I was kind of saying, you know, the, the levy includes some very sizable, uh, generous even, investment incentives. The idea, uh, the Chancellor said, was the more that companies invest, the less they're going to be taxed. Uh, and this is a, an overall um, tax um, kind of, uh, well, an, an, an allowance, if you like, of 91 pence back per every pound spent. So that's, you know, quite 
interesting and, and sizable. For those with big spending plans, the economists say that your shells and your, your BPs have announced that already. They're going to find that very worthwhile. Um, Wood McKenzie uh, last night has said that incentive could actually accelerate ready-to-go projects like Cambo and Rosebank. Um, you know, they're getting this incentive for the next three years or so. That's how long we estimate this tax is going to be in place for. The sunset clause, the government said, will be in place for the end of 2025. Will they stick to that promise? Hmm, let's see. Um, where the issue lies and where perhaps offshore energy's um, point perhaps hits home would be for companies that, you know, companies A cannot claim relief on their losses through DCOM, for example, on cash that's subject to this levy, which is unlike the current kind of system. And obviously a lot of firms made losses in 2020, for example. And there are companies that are going to be particularly exposed. Um, let's say they've got some mature assets and they have no plans to heavily invest in them. That's going to mean that they're going to really feel the effects of this 25% increase in, in headline tax. So that's perhaps where the, the line about jobs and communities being hit and energy transition perhaps being hit as well might come into place. But I, I guess overall, um, it seems to be more balanced than some were expecting. Industry not too chuffed, but there is a sweetener there. No one was expecting $100 oil price for this long. Uh, no one was predicting the invasion of Ukraine. So I guess that's partly what we need to consider here. And ultimately, is it going to be enough? I think is probably the, the key question to come out of all of this. You know, uh, again, millions of people going into fuel poverty, uh, £400 per home in Britain, uh, not going to be to be refunded. Um, great. That's a couple of months of bills, a few months of bills, perhaps. Um, the most vulnerable, a package of £1,200 um, for 8 million households, which, you know, seems positive. Um, we've had, you know, Asda's chairman himself, a lord, I dare say he'll be okay, uh, saying, you know, it's not, it's, it's a drop in the ocean to some of the the problems that his customers are facing. We've had uh, children's charities, uh, Action for Children, saying, again, you know, it, it's great that he's listening. Ultimately, we need a we need a stronger social security system in order to deal with this kind of issue. So, yeah, I mean, is it going to impact investment? It might do positively. Um, but is it going to be enough for households? We don't know. We don't know. What's your take on all of this, Ed? You're being very quiet over there. Well, I mean, I, I you know, obviously, as as someone who who, who lives here, but obviously doesn't really uh, look at the uh, the sort of the ins and the outs on a sort of a daily basis. It's it's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? But just to get just to just to kind of a, you know, try and recap what you've been saying, it's going to penalise small companies and reward big companies, and it's going to reward more oil and gas production uh, and more new projects. I mean, is this is this the energy transition? That we've heard so much about in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think there's a there's a really diff difficult angle to this, which is that you know part of I think what grates a little bit about the massive profits is that they're kind of mainly oil and gas derived, and a little bit of electricity as well. Obviously, the electricity market has been kind of rocketing as well. But the the kind of argument that we're going to take these profits and reinvest them in energy transition projects is, is kind of stalled by this, right? It, at least slightly uh, skewed. This is kind of mainly ring-fenced around oil and gas activity. And I think that's maybe what people will find the most problem with outside of the impact on, on people's you know, energy bills, which is obviously why the government's initiating it. Um, but I think there is, if you're, if you're a big integrated company like BP, who is kind of trumpeting your energy transition activity and all these different projects they want to be involved in, I think it, it feels a little bit like you might be pigeonholed now into to saying how much you're going to invest in oil and gas and UK oil and gas, when that maybe isn't necessarily the message that you want to pursue. 
It, it was interesting that the, the Shell um, latest investor call, there was a question, are you guys going to pull out your UK profits from your overall global profits so people can get a clearer picture on whether or not this windfall tax argument is valid? To which they said it would be too complicated to do that, um, which I, I'm not sure I buy that. Um, but it, it would, you know, it, it would certainly help draw a picture. The 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 shells and the BPs have been saying respectively 25 billion and 18 billion, or up to 25 billion, in the UK energy system over the next decade. The majority of that is going to be in clean energy, right? So, you know, from that perspective. Fantastic. Um, how much of it is going to be in oil and gas? But yeah, so about twenty five percent, I think they've said in the past. So, yeah, um, and that I guess plays into the British energy security strategy line in terms of there's this incent, there's this need to develop or requirement from that to develop homegrown resource in the North Sea. Obviously, so much of what's being invested in the North Sea at the moment is things like electrification, um, the Intog leasing round coming up, you know, um, offshore wind. You know, this is why OE UK is not oil and gas UK anymore. Um, you know, they're they're blurring the lines between investment between oil and gas and uh, renewables. That's not just jargon or 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 spin. It's it's actually the case. The two are linked, um, and you know they have to be linked if they're going to meet the decarbonisation targets that are being um, mooted by the 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 regulator. Right. So. Yeah. How how this how this works in in practice in terms of what do you impose this levy on? Um, what 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 share of your profits coming from what aspects of your your business um, will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I, I dare say we'll have more headlines about the the, the dreaded windfall tax before too long. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, as as I said, well, Alex Kemp from from the professor from the University of Aberdeen, he was he was saying, yeah, it was these companies that have, and there are they're not necessarily small uh, companies uh, that have mature fields. Um, but they, it's, it's a question of whether or not they have um, have they got you know the the investment incentive, which will help them kind of reduce their their tax plans, uh, the the amount of tax they're paying. Um, if not, then this could this could hit them. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that plays out and how this works with the North Sea. I, I think I think ultimately you know again. <laughs> No one predicted that the headline oil price is going to be as high as it is. People are struggling. Uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hear the energy transition investment plans. I think the majority of certainly the larger firms like your BPs and Shells, you know, their shareholders and they themselves have already kind of accounted for things like electric vehicle infrastructure uh, and, and that that's expected. Um, I'd be surprised. And it sounds like some of the analysts would be surprised if this really meant that they weren't going to to do that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. You know, it's a, it's a tricky one to navigate. I don't think we've heard the last of it, sadly. <laughs> this is will we'll rumble on. Oh, well, okay. Very well. Very well. If you say so, Andy. I was kind of hoping that would be it. Gosh. Well, well, <laughs> Draw a line under it. Draw Pack a line under it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've not really talked about this. Um, I think we need to take a break. Uh, oh, I was wanting to talk about Sue Gray report. Oh, well, okay. We'll park the windfall tax stuff from there for now. We will return. Um, and after that, we'll have a little bit of Sue Gray and then Ed's chat about AGMs. Energy Voice investigates and reports on what matters in global energy, helping sector leaders understand the geopolitical and economic factors underpinning current events and giving them a view on what's coming over the horizon. Each year, 3.4 million professionals use Energy Voice as a trusted source of breaking news and insight. 
Subscribers to Energy Voice receive unlimited access to the Energy Voice website, including premium content, free and discounted special reports and additional content, free access to the Energy Voice live app featuring a personalized feed, and priority access to Energy Voice events. For a 30-day free trial subscription to the Energy Voice website and app, visit energyvoice.com slash subscriptions. Join the global energy conversation with Energy Voice. Okay, yeah, I don't have any appetite to talk about Sugre anymore. Uh, so <laughs> let's just move on. Uh, I'm just like a, I'm just like a, a, a benchmark for the country, aren't I? Really, just my my uh, views on it. Yeah, uh, he's just he's just not going to apologise. Uh, well, he has apologised, but it's not going to make a difference. Anyway, move on. Um, so uh, that's yeah. We'll we'll move, leave the windfall tax stuff there, uh, Ed. But you've been you've been following the the AGMs this week and. Uh, well, lots of protesters, par for the course, really. Indeed, indeed. It, it does seem to be, you know, I think it's, you know, there's a, the, the, the sun is shining, you know, it's it's just what you need if you're going to go on a bit of a bit of a bit of a demonstration, it's a bit of a protest. You don't want to do it in the rain, no chance. So they should they should do it in winter then, really. I know, right? Like, uh, I was I was trying to explain this to my wife and she was like, oh, yeah, just, just do it when it's snowing. Oh, okay. Um, but if, if only the financial year could sync up with uh, with with uh, the weather patterns, right? Oh, anyway. Well. Um, but yeah, so 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 this week I tuned into Shell's AGM, which I thought you know it was oh god, I can't believe I've been landed with this. It's gonna be quite boring. Uh, but then tuned in, and within I don't know three minutes, uh, protesters had sort of st- stood up and, and started singing and shouting and um so it was it was an extraordinary experience just watching uh i think it was uh, sir andrew mckenzie the uh, shell chairman uh sort of try and talk them down and say look you know i think you know it's good that we've, you've, you've had your chance to speak and you know we we appreciate your uh interests and whatever but but maybe you could wait your turn and there's a microphone and you can come and he was trying to be so reasonable um and obviously the protesters did not give a monkeys what he was saying <laughs> they kept on shouting and sometimes they would sing and uh yeah so they would kind of occasionally you know kind of new people would get up and start shouting so after about half an hour of this of, of, of sir andrew mckenzie looking increasingly frustrated um eventually they had to call the police uh and the you know, sort of security guards and, and then they they stopped the live stream so then i had to watch uh so then extinction rebellion was also had their own live stream of them sort of being sort of slowly ushered out of the building, um, which was uh, which was which was hilarious. I think I think my favourite bit was when they they were interviewing uh, one woman who was saying you know that she had you know bought a share in Shell so that she could attend the AGM, uh, but was obviously also an Extinction Rebellion protester, so was being ejected, uh, and she was uh, she was very cross that she hadn't been allowed her uh, her sandwiches. Uh, as would I. She, you know, saw that as her right. As, a, as, a, as how, a ma- how many? Pro- how much in profits? Uh, no sandwiches. I mean, you know, when they're when they're cutting down on the on the on the, on the sandwiches for the uh, for the XR crowd. I mean, what is that about? Um, so it it took them a considerable amount of time to get the uh, the, the, the 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 protesters out of out of Shell's AGM. Uh, I think it was maybe maybe two hours. Uh, to be honest, I I mean I, I feel I should uh, confess this to you, Alistair, as, as handing me this 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 uh, this assignment. After about an hour and a half, I I did wander away and have some lunch. Came, <laughs> came back and they'd resumed. So who knows what I missed? Um, to be to be fair, it sounds like uh, to to be it does. I mean, sandwich sandwich details aside, it does sound a little bit like um you know almost 
you, it's it's Shell, but you could put any kind of super major title on there, and it could have been any one of their um, AGMs, right? It sounds it does it just sounds like this is the new norm for them now. I don't I don't I don't know how they can go. Where could you hold a Shell AGM and not have this happen? That's an interesting question. I, mean, I think you you you've got to let people in, right? I mean, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You've got to let people in to have their say. And I mean, it was. I mean, the thing was, you know, uh, you know, there there were a couple of other questions about kind of climate change of, of of shareholders who didn't feel the need to sort of stand up and and shout at Andrew McKenzie in quite the same way, but who were also expressing their concerns. So it was it was really interesting in in that regard. Uh, but it was also, I mean, there was it was it was a fascinating insight into you know um, how people sort of you know relates to these big companies right so there were some you know really interesting questions there were questions about you know sort of oil spills in nigeria which is obviously right up my street there were questions about um about about shell's retail arm right is it shell energy i think which you know is sort of provides which is you know working in that sort of you know sort of delivering to the customer space which you know people were getting up and saying look you know this is uh uh, I, I, you know, they were they were not happy, should we say, with their retail experience, um, and you, and you saw sort of you know Ben Van Burden, a guy you know obviously he's used to sort of hobnobbing with you know presidents and you know sort of CEOs and 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 you know sort of uh, the sort of uh, the, uh, the 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 kind of global elite. Having to explain sort of Shell's retail uh, policy arm to you know just just like a guy who's a pensioner who's like how do I pay my bill and so I think it in, in a way it was really fantastic just sort of to see this interaction that you just generally don't get. I mean that is kind of the golden ideal of what these companies should be answerable to, right? And in, in an AGM, right, the, the idea of it is at its core is if you have a share in the company, you should be able to kind of interrogate the strategy and, and hold them to account. I think just for so long, that's that's been seen as like, well, it's pension funds and private equity guys that get to go to those and get the sandwiches. Yeah. Um, now it's sort of performance art and pensioners too. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I would say is, Alistair, I mean, you know, we were both at All Energy in Glasgow a few weeks ago. That's right, yeah. Um, a large kind of forum session with kind of uh, industry speakers from across the board, I think, um, did have some super major uh, representation, but also kind of Scottish renewables and, and uh, ministers. Um, and that was kind of interrupted right at the last minute as well by by someone who, as I recall, standing outside the auditorium, just wanted to do some art, as he put it, <laughs> as he was dragged away. Um, I, I, but I, it, I, it is becoming a thing, yeah. Yeah. I, I tried. To, no, I, I remember. This, this was yeah. This was a uh, the all energy. This is a two hour session uh, at the start of, of the plenary. I, I think they asked too many people. I don't. I don't know. Um, but David Bunch from Shell, uh, right at the end of his speech, not the start, which I thought maybe would make more sense if you're trying to disrupt it. Uh, there was a guy who uh, started standing. I, I honestly couldn't make out what he was saying. He was on his own. He didn't have a microphone or you know a megaphone or anything like that. Um, and then the the. Um, the guy moderating just kind of stop it please stop cease um so yeah i couldn't really make it out but he got dragged out yeah yeah and he did seem like he was kind of a performance art kind of guy i don't know um yeah it's it's an interesting one I, uh no go on ahead i'm interrupting you i mean uh, yeah so, so you're just going to talk about that kind of strategy about you know sort of you know what to do with protesters which obviously you know conference organizers agms everyone's sort of facing the same problem right so I thought it was it was very interesting uh, on uh, on Thursday morning that uh, energy and sort of you know East Med sort of uh, Egypt kind of Greece uh, company was was due to hold its its AGM at uh, eleven o'clock in the morning at uh, 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 the offices of Norton Rose Fulbright in the uh, in in uh, just just south of the river in London. 
And it was one of those innocuous uh, sort of statements that you see when you sort of you know check the, uh, the 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 first you know sort of you know thing on the uh, on the on the on the stock exchange to see what's what's been happening, and it sounded like a really boring statement. It was just like you know sort of uh, change of AGM uh, you know meeting place or something. I was like that sounds incredibly boring. And I just thought. That's weird, though, isn't it? You know, so I, I clicked on it, and it was, you know, essentially saying that instead of having their AGM at one law office at, at eleven o'clock in the morning, they'd moved it to another law office at nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, so it was, you know, sort of about, about a mile and a half away, and obviously two hours earlier. And I thought that's a strange thing to do. If you want actually people to kind of come to your AGM, then you're not going to change the location like two hours or even four hours before when you think it's actually going to happen. So kind of, you know, dug into it a little bit and then discovered that there was a, there's a, there was a protest planned for the 11 a.m. AGM. So it, there was a, there's, they had some, some, some labor problems in Greece. A, there was a plant that they, they've apparently, well, the, the, the local unions feel that the, all the workers have been fired unjustly. There have been safety concerns. And so there was this, you know, kind of, you know, issue around, you know, a sort of a just energy transition and, and how, you know, companies shouldn't, you know, presumably fire people. And so in response to this protest, it seemed, I mean, I, I, I did ask Energy and they, they didn't, they didn't uh, decide to comment on this for me as to whether it was in response to uh, this protest. But I mean, it seemed pretty clear to me that it was. Um, so obviously they just moved it and then totally wrong-footed this protest, which, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether Shell is going to consider that, but just saying like next time, just say, yeah, we're going to have it at, you know, midday in London and then have it at 9am in Houston or something, right? Like, whoa, that's <laughs> for the old switcheroo or a sort of bus that can drive around london be in all locations at once and just pick up <laughs> attendees on the way and sandwiches obviously and sandwiches. we just stumbled upon the next business segment of energy voice i think so you were, you were about for, to acquire some rigs the other month weren't you is it into buses now mm, electric buses of course great. oh I, I don't know that sounds great though yeah uh, no we had um we just with the ejecting people like we had the bp agm i recall a few years ago in aberdeen now uh, and it was during the bob dudley days and you know again it was this case of like you know there's a video it's it's all it's the optics isn't it because you know if the activists, you know, stand up and they start addressing the room in an angry way, but, you know, calm way too. But, you know, they do get ejected. It doesn't look great. Um, so I don't know how you how you deal with it. Um, I guess a company isn't a democracy either. So it's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? So, yeah, it's it's, it's never good. But, you know, look, I miss the AGMs in Aberdeen. You know, there's always a there's always a die in, you know. Um, you know, we had that at Offshore Europe a few years ago. Um bunch of guys just lying on the floor um which we got some pictures of and uh you know it, it always makes for good coverage um which is a bit of a selfish comment but you know this, this is this is the reality um so yeah i think we've come to the natural conclusion of our agm uh protest bonanza so um i think for for now for for that particular point point we will uh, we will leave this latest episode of Energy Voice Out Loud. So thank you to Ed and to Andy for joining me. I've been Alistair Thomas, and thank you for listening. Out Loud is the podcast from Energy Voice, leading the global energy conversation. Bookmark and subscribe to energyvoice.com, sign up to our newsletter, and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for expert analysis and insight right across the energy sector.
Subscribe to Out Loud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do encourage colleagues and friends to listen to Out Loud too. If you've enjoyed it, leaving a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts, helps others discover it too. Thank you.